So welcome to another Tennis Takeaway podcast. Barry Milne's here in the UK. Barry Cowan, you're on your travels. Where are you, Bazza? I am in Cincinnati, Barry. So it's, it's a good evening where you are, and it's a good afternoon where, where, where I am in, in a very hot and humid Cincinnati. So I arrived last night, uh, full day's travel from the UK, um, back to the, those days when, uh, when I was spent my life on an aeroplane but yeah it was it was, it was a good good day's travel and good to catch up actually with with all the action today and and it starts for real tomorrow there were a few matches um on sunday but all, all the all the big action starts monday with a full draw in the men's and women's are you nicely air-conditioned well that's it isn't it with america <laughs> it's it's full of uh, air-conditioned and it's full of um the restaurants the american diners that, that are, are very much, you can get your pancakes and you can get your, uh, your French toast with your maple syrup and you can also get your very big salads. So you're in culinary heaven then? Would, you can't dare say that, Barry, <laughs> to me. Well, obviously, wish you a, a, a happy yeah. week, an enjoyable week. Hard work, of course, I know you're going to be doing yeah. that. But uh, in terms of the hard week that's been done on the court over the past week, Bazza, uh, I mean, let's kick off in Toronto because the story that is Bianca... Andrescu, what a story. She's still only 19 and now she has won the title in Toronto. Obviously, really sad for Serena Williams that she had to pull up with that upper back injury in the final, early in the final. But that really shouldn't take anything away from Andrescu's achievements in the week because she's only just come back from injury herself. It's got to be one of the most extraordinary comebacks, hasn't it? What Andrescu's able to do. I mean, we, you know, we, we would marvel if this had been... Serena having not played for many months and come and won a tournament of this quality or if this had been Nadal or Djokovic or, or you know, any player. But for someone like Andrescu, who, amazing what she did in Indian Wells, but, but was nowhere near in a fit state in Miami or the French Open. So the fact that it's always wise, take, take the, the longest much time as you can have off to make sure when you come back you're 100% fit and, and to, to win her second big title of the year extraordinary in the manner that she was able to win it as well so I think it's a really really exciting I mean it's great for the tournament isn't it to have a home winner unfortunately it wasn't able to happen in the men's but for Van Driscu to win in Toronto and Canadian Telles is flying absolutely flying the buzz for both, for both um, Toronto and Montreal this week was brilliant it really was. And, and to see her battle through, I mean, her first four matches all went the distance. Firstly, against Jeannie Bouchard in the All-Canadian Clash. Then Kazat Kina, who we've, we've often admired, talked about and said, well, you know, maybe it's going to be her time at some point, although she's struggled in the last sort of few months or so. But that was a, a battle royale between her and Andrescu. Andrescu comes from a breakdown to win that. Then she beats Kiki Burtons. Then she beats Karolina Pliskova also in three sets before getting the better of uh, Sonia Kenin, who was obviously proved, you know, some week that she had by beating Barty at the start of it. And, and then Serena. And OK, Serena wasn't able to, to play as we'd hoped she could do. But in terms, again, of what the Canadian is doing, the players she's beating and the way she's doing it, her variety in her game, her power, the use of that drop shot, it's lethal. Yeah, and the, the utter... the, the sort of stubbornness that I am going to win. I am whatever it takes. And, and we saw that, didn't we, in the final in Indian Wells when, when her coach came onto the court and sort of, sort of helped her through the process. So the, the, she has the talent. She has the athleticism. 
And she has that killer instinct as well, which is so important. And, and she, I think now she's almost getting herself into position where she will strike fear to a lot of opponents. None of, no one will enjoy playing, playing Andrescu because she, she's absolutely fearless. It doesn't matter whether you're Pliskova. It doesn't matter whether you're Serena Williams, as it was in the finals. She, go out, she will go out, the Canadian, play her game, and I mean, she absolutely belts the cover off the ball. <laughs> she sure does. We're talking of a couple of players who hit the ball pretty well. Serena Williams obviously played Naomi Osaka earlier in the week. That was the first time they played since last year's controversial US Open final. But uh, Serena topped this one. In terms of what she takes away from the week, despite the injury, do you think she can take a, a good deal amount of positives from it? A lot of positives. Um, but you know my feelings about Serena, Barry. Yeah. They, they haven't changed. And, and I was thinking this morning... Serena wins today, straight away she's the favourite for the US Open for me. But Serena didn't win today. She lost in the final. She pulled out. Yes, she's had a back injury, but that just puts a little bit more doubt in her mind. Not, not that she's not playing great tennis, but you know, physically, is she able, under the real pressure, will her body hold up? So I just hope that that doesn't have a bit of a scar tissue um, moving forward. We'll be interested to see whether she can make a recovery and play Cincinnati. And then also um, for, for the US Open. But not, not we need a confirmation, Barry, because she played well at Wimbledon. I mean, she reached the final, but there's always going to be one player or maybe even two players who are playing amazing tennis that Serena's going to have to be able to beat. She can't just expect to say, I'm Serena Williams, I'm going to win this match. Um, but she got very close to winning her first title in a long time. Serena might have faced Simona Halep in the uh, semi-finals, but Halep had to uh, retire, didn't she, against Buskova in her quarterfinal and a left Achilles injury. So that obviously puts a bit of a doubt against her for the next mm. few weeks. Yeah, but with the difference between Halep and Serena is Halep doesn't need to play. You know, this is not, this is not critical for Halep. To, you know, if, if you are any doubt in your mind, then pull out because the, the, the utter... Um, self-belief that Hallett would have got from the way she played at Wimbledon will carry her forward to the US Open. So I think that's that it's not as, as important these two weeks, Toronto and Cincinnati for the Romanian, as it is for some of the other female players who, you know, again, the, the, the crazy women's draw just turns up um, surprises after surprises, doesn't it? With, yeah, it keeps uh, doing know, it. Keeps doing it. Ash Barty struggled. Um, again, not, not necessarily a huge surprise because of her whirlwind year that she's had. Um, and, and it's again, it's that added pressure of, of being world number one. But, and now switches back to Osaka, who said for the first time, didn't she, this week, that actually she, she's back enjoying her tennis, which is, was great to hear. Yeah, we talked about the, the statement she put out, didn't we, uh, last week in terms of, of where she's been with her tennis and how she hadn't enjoyed it. But if, if that is something that she can now sustain, that would be great to see and... and, and to see her going back to New York as a defending champion and see how she might perform there. In terms of the men, obviously, over the past week, well, they were in Montreal, a windy Montreal, a difficult week weather-wise with a lot of rain as well. But the guy who emerges on top is the guy who won that title in 2005. He's now done it for the fifth time in Canada. And amazingly, for Rafael Nadal, it's the first time, I can't believe this, but it's the first time he's ever defended a hard-court title. It was an amazing, amazing stat, really. Um, just again, how well is, is Nadal playing? And he doesn't need to now play every single week, which was certainly his thought 
a decade ago that he needed to play a lot of a lot of tennis to be able to play his best tennis. Now the most important thing for Rafa is you're fresh, and if you're fresh and you're healthy, then you're going to be there or thereabouts. Obviously, the, the draw was affected by no Djokovic and and no Federer. But I was really interested to see a quote this week that sort of emerged that that Rafa admitted in the spring that he was very close to calling it quits for the year because of the injury problems that he had that had affected him now for for around about 18 months. I think he was really down. I think post-Indian Wells, around around sort of Monte Carlo, which sort of brought back to me, Barry, do you remember the comments when he lost to Fanini? You know, that was my worst, worst match on, on the clay for 14 I remember. years. Whether, whether that was in reality, I think that's honestly how he felt because at that stage he, he was so low. And now where he is, you know, currently, he's now ahead of Djokovic in the race. So points game from January the 1st to now, he is number one. So, you know, there's that, that to factor in. Um, you know, that, that will also <laughs> add a little bit more spice to Djokovic. Let's not rule out Federer. But you know, Nadal absolutely cruised through um, the, the week. Uh, he had that obviously little sticky patch against Fanini when he when he dropped the first set, but ended comfortably to win in the third. Um, yeah, got, and, obviously and, got the lucky break with Monfils yeah. sadly having to pull out because of injury from their semi. And yeah. then and then in the final, I would say you know Medvedev who played so well through the week, and and he's won what more hard court matches this year than anybody else so far, and he did it last year. But come this, come the final, it was a match too far for him. He did not have his best game with him, did he? And he struggled in the breeze. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, the breeze, the win. Nadal's the best win player by, by far and away. And one of the reasons why... Why is that, Pazza? I, I think two factors. Firstly is Rafa... Well, maybe there's three factors. Rafa, um, coming from Mallorca, he's used to playing in the wind. I think that's, that's the first. I think the second is the way Rafa plays. You know, he's got the hand skills to be able to adjust play late, improvise, change his mind. He obviously hits with a lot of spin. But I think crucially, you know, if we look at the players that have worried Nadal, that do beat Nadal, how do you beat Nadal? You've got to play high-risk tennis and you've got to play close to the lines. You're not going to win the physical battle. Now, it's very, it's very difficult to do that consistently in the wind when you've basically got to give yourself big margins. You can't just um, hit, hit consistently hit close to the lines because eventually... The, the, the conditions will, will, will really play a part. And for me today, I was not surprised because I think for Medvedev that he has impressed me so much this year. But you look at the strengths of Medvedev, Barry, that big first serve, he moves great, he plays quite deep, he hits in straight lines, he doesn't use the angles, and he doesn't really come forward. Now, when you add up all those hmm. huge attributes to, to Medvedev, that is just Nadal licking his lips. So Medvedev struggled at the net, only won five out of 12, and really struggled in the longer rallies. Um, so, and, and, and Rafa was fresh. Anything else you'd pick out from the week in Montreal particularly? I think when you look at the week, it was one, you were looking for, for the other players to step up. You know, we've been saying that, you know, and, and, I, and I actually defended the guys at the French Open and Wimbledon because you had three of the big four. You know, was, obviously it's great that Murray's back in Cincinnati, but you had Djokovic, Nadal and Federer. Now, what was really apparent and was really alarming to see is Zverev and how devoid of confidence he is, how he's struggling on his serve. I mean, the serve is a real concern. I mean, it's double fault. 
after double fight. He started that match on Friday against Hachanov. I mean, the first game was just really uncomfortable to watch. A couple of double faults. And, it, and in the end, I feel now we're getting to a stage where there's so much baggage mentally with Zverev's second serve. It's going to fail him under pressure. So I think he's got a decision to make. I mean, he is fighting like a Trojan. Every single match, he is fighting. But there's only so long you can go that way, Barry, before yeah. you just you just end in the end just tapping out. And, and that's my worry. And I actually feel for Sasha that, I mean, he's, he's not going to take that view, but he's played a lot of tennis. He's, take, he's played a lot of weeks. I actually think this is a negative against him. I actually almost feel he's got to sort out that area of, of his game. Uh, and also for Ojai Alisim, you know, he, he was struggling again on his second serve. I thought it was very telling how when Zverev beat Basilashvili, the emotion that sort of poured out of him, the way he sort of collapsed on the court and, you know, yeah, fine win because it was 7-6 in the third. It was a brutal match between the two of them. And yet it was Basilashvili. It wasn't one of the, you know, the very, very top guys. And it Mm. was, what was it, the third round. And it was almost as if he'd won the tournament. But you kind of, to me, that just said of all that, it was a release in a way, a relief and a release Mm. of all that he's been going through off court. Yeah, which you have to have those matches. I mean, you, you know, Zverev, if, if you want someone to compete, Zverev's, you know, right up there. But you can't be doing that every day, Barry, can you? You can't be right on the edge every day of your working life. And, and it feels like that at the moment for Sasha. That, and, and that, I just, we don't want him to have a burnout mentally. And, but it's, it's looking like that potentially might happen for as long as, as long as he's having to play these matches, which is... Is a real ordeal. You know, I, I see a very, very similar parallels to Dimitrov. Do you remember yes. the time with Dimitrov, you know, where he, you'd see his matches. I mean, the work, the, the O2 when he won the ATP finals. I mean, he eventually got over the finishing line. But you can't, you can't play, you can't have your matches like that every single week. No, agreed. And, and I think for all players of, of their age, we've talked about it before, we talk about it again in terms of working out his game, as you said a little earlier, as to developing the game in a way that is going to be able to, to really make some strides through the very top tier of the sport. Yep, and that's how I see it. And, and you know, this is very difficult from the outside because ultimately you don't want to, you don't want to be criticising someone who is an amazing fighter. But is it almost at a stage now where it's important, more important for Zverev to get the game right and maybe not the winning and look long-term? Indeed. And think also that it's actually harder for the guys now because there are these greats who are still doing it and doing it better than they are, who are 10, 15 years older. So whereas, you know, when Federer Nadal came on, you didn't have people really playing beyond 30, you know, 132. There's a whole lot more to contend with. It it makes it harder. And okay, they have a big burst through, but then backing that up week in, week out, month in, month out is, is, is more challenging perhaps now than it's ever been. Yep, but, but Zverev, the, the age that he's at, and he's still, as you said, he's still incredibly young. He's 22. But if, he, if, he, if he's having to play a lot of this tennis, in two years' time, he'll be 24, but he mentally won't be a 24. He'd be like a 28, 29. Yes. You know, he's, he's, it's, it's the negative experience where, you, you know, you look at some of the others. He sits, he passed for me, is a great example. Sitsipas is not playing his best tennis at the moment, but I don't see this as a negative long term because he's trying, he's doing the right things. He's, 
he's playing the right way. It's just it's just not quite happening for one reason or another. You know, maybe a little bit of a target on the back. Um, he's having to improve aspects of his game. I, I'm not worried long term about Sitsipas. You know, even if he loses early in Cincinnati, even if he doesn't produce the goods at the US Open, we know that that eventually he will come through. For the first time, I'm starting to doubt that was Zverev because because of the amount of uncomfortable matches that we're having to see him play. Well, we hope that uh, obviously he's going to be able to find his way through, but it may take some time for him to do that. I mean, he's so talented, you know, you'd think, well, he will, he will eventually, but uh, who knows when that will be. But the story coming up, of course, this week is the return of Federer and Djokovic after that incredible final at Wimbledon. And of course, the return of Andy Murray to have, you know, the top guys all back in the same event. I, I think, we, you know, we're pinching ourselves still that that's going to happen again. It was amazing, amazing to have that back. And, and great news when it was confirmed on Friday that, that, that Andy had taken the wild card. And, and, I mean, it had to be someone he played in the first round that he'd got history against. Richard Gasquet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, they have met so many times. And there have been a lot of epic matches over the years. I remember one of the, the first matches that they, that they actually played was uh, to qualify for what was back then the World Tour Finals in Shanghai, which Gasquet won. That match in Paris, he went through to the final eight. Murray didn't. Of course, Murray then was able to dominate a lot of their, their previous meetings. But I think good to have Murray back and also great to have um, Gasquet back. I thought he played a phenomenal match last week. It actually was absolutely brilliant tennis, that match against Nishikori, that he won 7-6 in the third. It was sort of an epic. He, he lost one on that very court two years before against Verev when he had the match point in that 49-shot rally. So, it was, it was good to see Gasquet back in the mix and, and it will certainly be a fascinating week for, for, for Murray as it will be for the, for the big three. And, and I think for Federer, you know, he will be, he'll be happy to be back. I mean, obviously the Wimbledon final, Barry, we, you know, we've talked about it. Everyone's talked about it. That, that would have hurt him. But Roger's been a master at being able to put behind big disappointments and move forward. Uh, and I'm sure he's looking to get back. And, and for Djokovic... How much that he's now, he's got that, that monkey off the back with Cincinnati that he won last year, completing the, the, the full set. I am actually really interested, uh, and I'm sure you are, to see where he's at. Because Indian Wells and Miami was poor. And, and I felt that mentally, I mean, he was trying, but mentally it was a feeling that he was holding something back for the French and for yeah. Wimbledon. Yes. And and you can understand why. Does he go into Cincinnati really 100% I want to win it? Or will it also be I'm holding something back mentally for the US Open, the final major? That, that for me, is what I'm really interested to see with Djokovic. In terms of coming back to Andy, um, his match we've mentioned against Gasquet for the right to then face Dominic Team. So, I mean, he's going to be straight in the thick of it. What's... Do you think of the keys for him this week? Firstly, I suppose physically that the body can manage to play a singles match, best of three against these top guys and come through it without any after effects. Or is it a case of, you know, having to get the wins just now? Well, I think that that's what Andy will say at the start. See how my body is. See where the level I'm at. Um, from all accounts, practice has gone well. We've seen on the doubles court, it's improving. Uh, there was a definite upgrade for me in Washington than what we saw at Queens, Eastbourne and Wimbledon. 
But that mindset will last for maybe one point, maybe two points. And then the competitive juices will flow. Yes, they will. <laughs> and, and it will just be, I'm here to win. And he, is, he, he, he will put everything out on the court to try and win that match and, and give himself a chance at, at playing Dominic team. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it's obviously building up to be a very exciting week. And, and with the women's draw there, we've mentioned some of it already. Kiki Burtons comes back as the defending champion in the women's event. And uh, she could be up against uh, Venus Williams in her opening match. Venus has got a, a qualifier at the start. I see that uh, Azarenka is playing Benchich. That's one of the, the key matches in the first round. And that Halep and, and Williams are also in the same half as Burton's and Osaka. So, yeah, we toss a coin again, don't we, for that one? Uh, yes, we do. Um, very, very difficult to know who's going to step up to the to the plate next week. Um, you know, Kerber's struggling, isn't she? She's, you know, Kvitova's back. How how fit will she be? Um, Sloan Stevens really is is not the player that she was she was before. But with Sloan, she, again, she's, she's one of those players you put into the very talented bracket. It could just be this week that we, we see the best of the American again. Away from the court, the other big news has been the return of Federer and Nadal, along with Jürgen Meltzer, to the Players' Council. I think great news. Uh, not surprised. Um, and obviously for, for Roger and Rafa that they quit a few years ago because they really wanted to focus on the tennis. But I think the reason they've come back now is the very difficult situation that the tour's in at the moment with obviously a few of the, the members resigning. What was that uh, a couple of months ago, wasn't it, around around Wimbledon, just before the start of the championships at Wimbledon. The impending departure of Chris Commode, he's due to finish at the end of the year, or is he? Maybe there is another twist to that because I believe that Chris might be presenting at the US Open, putting his case across. So with, with Nadal and Federer back in the fold, maybe that might mean that Chris Camone might be back in the fold. And it, to me, also speaks of a kind of a getting a bit more European view of things back on the player council because it had gone pretty solidly North American with the likes of Isner and Query and Pospisil and others. So And Kevin from, Anderson. Yeah, and, and, you know, from and, that and point of view, a good much, balance. Yeah, yeah which, is, which they have to have on the ATP council. And, and also, I mean, people might say, well, Djokovic is European, but Djokovic was more in the America, the pro-American. Yeah. So, and, 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 and I think it's fantastic that you've got three of the greatest players that we've ever had who, who are actively involved in the future of sport because whether we like it or not, and, and to me, I think it is right, they're going to carry more weight. You know, Nadal, Federer and Djokovic are going to carry more weight than if you've got a player who's, nine, who's ranked 19 or ranked 18 or ranked 17 on the player count. So, you know, people are going to tend to listen to more, to more of what those guys feel. And, you know, with, with Federer especially, that he's always had a long-term view. He can always look at the bigger picture. And I, and I would also put Rafa in that category as well. OK, thanks for all of that, Baza. I know you've got a busy week ahead. Uh, we're looking forward very much to Cincinnati. And uh, this time next week, we'll be back to talk about that. Do join us then.